welcome back to SCW Interviews. You may be watching here on YouTube. You may be listening on podcast form. Thank you for choosing SCW. And I've got a great special guest with me today from the YouTube channel, Bonafide Heat. It's Kevin. Kevin, how are you doing, mate? I am doing great. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. It's well, let's, see, let's have some fun, man. Yeah, let's have some fun indeed. Thank you so much for coming on the channel. And we've got lots to discuss today. We're going to talk about your YouTube channel uh, as well as that. Going to see how you got into wrestling, uh, some of your favorite moments, and talking a little bit about today's product and uh, one of your favorite uh, drinks as well that you sometimes have during your YouTube videos. So uh, looking forward to discussing all of that. <laughs> but, uh, we said you're from the uh, YouTube channel Bonafide Heat. Uh, tell us a bit about the channel for those that don't know. So Sure. So yeah, my channel, um, it's been about a year now that I've really started taking the channel seriously. I launched the channel. I, originally, I launched it under the name Wrestling With Heat in like 2018. But I just I was going to school full time, working full time. So I really never had any time to put any effort into it. But then when the pandemic hit, like a lot of people, I had nothing else better to do. So I ended up making YouTube videos. And now it's been growing and it's just become now a hobby of mine. And yeah, it's really fun. I mean, I talk about wrestling, do original content, raw reviews, pay-per-view reviews, SmackDown reviews. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's always some great fun content. And um, like you say, with everybody, with with the pandemic hitting, it seems that a lot of YouTubers have, have taken it a lot more seriously in the last 12 months, myself included. And uh, like you say, you've got a variety of different video topics you hit on with, with the reviews for Raw and SmackDown. Always great fun listeners as well, you know, pointing out some of your favorite points from the show or sometimes some of your lesser favorite points from the shows as well that you highlight as a main topic. But one thing I really like about your channel, in fact, a couple of things I really like about your channel is, first off, like when you listen to your video, Videos, there is that that calming voice straight away you know like with with some youtubers they've just got a natural ring to this you kind of you know immediately you feel quite settled you feel quite comfortable you know you're going to listen to a good video for the next sort of 10 to 15 20 minutes and you always have great detail and great valid points that you have along with your arguments uh, and you're not afraid to mix your words up either if you've got a point for something positive you throw it right out there but if there's something negative you, you're quite happy to go on a rant as well aren't you yeah, definitely. I mean, you got to, I mean, I got to be authentic. You know, I can't pretend to like something like, like you see on Twitter nowadays, a lot of people, they like whatever is unpopular just to be a troll or to be against everyone. But like, like with the Miz, all these Miz fans came out of nowhere when he won the title on Sunday. Like, I'm not like, I'm not like that. I haven't liked the Miz in 10 years. It's not like a, a joke. You know, I, I, I've been, I, I just, there's just things that I like and things I don't like. Yeah, I'm not, and I just try to be authentic as authentic as possible. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, we, we will touch a bit more on your uh, dislike for the Miz later in this video. A great enticer to keep people along with some of your thoughts. But um, so, I mean, you've also done some great collaborations as well. Uh, one of my favorites I like listening to as well is uh, with The Elitist on YouTube, uh, another great YouTube channel. Uh, you have Elite Heat, which is a great combo you put together there. A couple of my favorites are Randy Orton, the Apex Predator, and uh, Daniel Bryan, the uh, wrestling's greatest underdog. Um, you, you must enjoy doing these collaborations. They become more regular. Yes, I appreciate you, man, listening and uh, shouting those two out as your favorites. Yeah, the Randy Orton one was a lot of fun. Daniel Bryan, too. Just, I, I like doing those those videos. We, we, we try to do something unique every time. Like, we did one this past week um, on Monday if, uh, if WWE superstars had real jobs. So we try to come, like, with, with ideas that are outside of the box that are a little bit different. And if we do a bio on a wrestler... We try to hit you with different a different perspective than you would on like any other podcast that would just go through and talk about a wrestler's legacy for like an hour. We try to add throw some fun in there and try to mix in some different things, try to keep people guessing it on their toes. 
absolutely, man. That sounds a lot of fun, and especially with your latest upload together as well. Can you give one away for us just to give us a little bit of a scoop? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> let me give you a good one. So uh, Adam Cole basically would be a Twitch streamer slash an OnlyFans e-boy. <laughs> because you know he he wouldn't make it as like a big twitch streamer like that would be xavier woods xavier woods would be like a superstar twitch streamer but adam cole would have to like he'd have to do shirtless streams and sell you know sell uh, raunchy photos on OnlyFans to get by i like the sound of, well i say i like the sound of that maybe i don't quite like the sound of that but it certainly sounds like a lot of fun <laughs> maybe, it has, maybe it has to rely on his uh on the dentist maybe to help him with an income as well there Britt baker of course is a real life partner but um yeah no that sounds a lot of fun definitely need to go and check that one out and uh, adam cole i believe is actually on the thumbnail of that one as well so uh yeah a lot of reasons for people to go and check that one out there but um let's go into as a fan then of course we've got the youtube channel it's doing really well it's over a thousand subscribers i think it was one point three seven at the time i checked just before coming on but so uh, what where did the, the journey start for you getting into pro wrestling oh uh, wow man as long as i can remember i like i i remember i don't really remember but as a kid when i was like really really young i would watch the attitude era with my brother uh, shocking i know my parents were letting like a four-year-old kid watch the attitude era so um you know maybe not the best decision but i i remember early on i remember watching guys like like the the ruthless aggression era that's really like the era i remember the most i remember watching guys like batista booker t eddie guerrero especially as most people know he's my favorite wrestler uh Rey mysterio john cena randy orton i grew up on that era like early randy orton early john cena dr thugonomics the legend killer evolution that was really the era that really hooked me and enticed me and i used to watch some of the old stuff too because i my family had like this large collection of VHS tapes of like the 80, the late eighties and nineties stuff, early nineties. So I would watch, I would be watching, like, if I got bored, I just, for a couple hours, I would just watch like the ultimate warrior versus the macho man from like WrestleMania, whatever it was seven, Bret Hart versus Roddy Piper, Hulk Hogan versus warrior, Bret Hart, uh, Mr. Perfect. Like I've watched some of these classic matches and I really fell in love with wrestling that way. Absolutely. It sounds like you know quite a lot of your history as well as like taking from the ruthless aggression era onwards as well. And uh, probably a good thing you didn't remember so much of the attitude era at that time. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, as a, as a young and probably wondering where, where babies come from and then May Young gives birth to a hand is probably not something you really want to, to know as a young. But um, yeah, going through the ruthless aggression era then, and like you said, the Eddie Guerrero, one of your favorites, um, I probably don't need to ask why really, but I'm guessing it's the, the light cheat and steel mentality. Yeah, it's a light cheetah steel, and it's also I, I come from a Hispanic background, so it was it was like to see somebody represented the way he was represented as a main event star. It, it, you know, most of the Latino wrestlers they were portrayed as like something stereotypical. Like you had you had the Mexicans driving around a lawnmower, you know, you had Rey Mysterio. They took off his mask because Eric Bischoff thought he was like a pretty boy. They, there was just Latino wrestlers weren't portrayed well, and to see Eddie Guerrero portrayed the way he was really hit home with me. Absolutely, indeed. Yeah, he was. He was an absolute star, of course, back in the noughties, and of course, winning the uh, the WWE Championship from No Way Out two thousand and four. Would that be one of your favorite shows and memories? Absolutely. I still I watch that, and I still get goosebumps, man. That's just like nowadays. It's like objectively, you don't really see reactions like that when somebody wins the WWE Championship. Like maybe Drew McIntyre would have got that reaction had there been a crowd at WrestleMania 36. But you think back, like you look at some of the more recent title wins. Like you look at like when Randy Orton won the title at, at SummerSlam 2013, the crowd really didn't care. 
you know, like Daniel Bryan aside, but the, uh, there's just like that stigma that like when Eddie won, the crowd was going crazy. He ran into the crowd and he was hugging people. Everybody was on their feet, like half, maybe half the people in the crowd weren't even Eddie fans, but they just got sucked into the moment because of the wonderful story they told with him. You just don't kind of, you don't really see that storytelling and that reaction nowadays. Not all, not all the time. No, no. And Gio, you make a great point there because it's all about moments, isn't it? It's that, that idea where you get lost in disbelief, you get captured. Um, and I think that there has been, there is odd moments where we get glimpses of it. But like you say, it's not, not to the same level as what you saw back in like 2004. Maybe, is that because of the fact that you reckon that perhaps the, the superstars haven't got the same name value and the popularity as it was before? Or is it just something that in today's market, perhaps we, we're perhaps older, we're wiser, maybe it's more predictable? What do you reckon it is? I, I... I'm not sure what it is. I think it's a little little bit of a combination of both. But I also think when you look at it, there's just guys like Eddie Grove just don't come around every day. Guys like Eddie and Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker, these guys just don't come around today. Like if Eddie Guerrero was still alive and wrestling today, I would say he'd be the most charismatic wrestler on the roster right now. You know, maybe him, Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton, like those would be the guys with charisma. Like even some of the newer guys, Drew McIntyre, Ricochet, um, you know, Samoa Joe, Sami Zayn, as great as these guys are, they don't really have like that larger than life presence. Like Mac Drew McIntyre has it to an extent, but even he doesn't have it the way like some of the guys from the attitude or ruthless aggression ever had it. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I can't put a finger on it. No, no, and I think you're you're right with that as well. And I mean, obviously to make the comparison, like I mean, Eddie Guerrero was still around today in wrestling. Uh, I mean, he'd probably be around a similar age group to Chris Jericho. And I mean, Chris Jericho. He's still got that large and life persona when you watch AEW. He's still, you, you know, Chris Jericho's in the room every time, and uh, he finds a way of keeping himself relevant and keeping himself over. And I imagine Eddie Guerrero would have been exactly the same. I can't have seen it any differently. I think Eddie Guerrero, the amount of dream matches as well that you would have perhaps seen. Are, are there, is there people from today's era that you think I'd have loved to see Eddie face then? Oh, there's, uh, there's multiple. I actually just made a video about this. Um, I pub published it on a Sunday before the Elimination Chamber, talking about like what if Eddie Guerrero had it died in 2005, and some of the dream matches I would have loved to seen. Just like to give you a little hint, would be AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, um, Prime Randy Orton, Prime John Cena, because I don't think he ever had like a rivalry with Randy Orton, and he did have a rivalry with Cena when they were both kind of like in the mid card. But I would have liked to see like Super Cena go up against Eddie Guerrero as a, as Eddie as a heel. It would have been great. Yeah, absolutely. I would have loved to see that as well. And um, I, I'm not sure if I, if I missed it or there, but I mean, Shawn Michaels for me is a, a dream one as well. Apparently that was the rumored match going to WrestleMania 22. And it's just such a shame we never got to have that encounter. I think that would have been a perfect uh, time of those two coming together. Yeah, Shawn Michaels versus Eddie Guerrero. That would have been just as good, if not better, than the matches that Shawn had with Chris Jericho and, and Kurt Angle. It, you you put two guys like that of that caliber in just like you tell them, all right, you have 25 minutes, go make magic. It's going to be great. Absolutely. Indeed there. And um, just to say, obviously with the, the likes of the WWE network and stuff, did you have any exposure to WCW or have you gone back to watch Eddie's run in that company? WCW. Yeah. I've watched a bunch of WCW and ECW. I've watched a lot of like WCW 2000 because I wanted to see like just the myth. Cause a lot of people make fun of WCW 2000 and say it's the worst wrestling ever. And I went back and I watched a lot of it. And yeah, I think it gets a fair reputation. It was pretty bad. But I I've watched some of the good stuff, too. I've watched like Star K97, Hogan and Sting, um, Bash at the Beach, I believe it was, where Hogan made his debut. I've seen Scott Hall, Kevin Nash's debut. I've even gone back to some of the earlier stuff. Like I've watched some of the NWA stuff with like with Ric Flair and Sting, Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat. Yeah, really good stuff.
yeah, legendary. A lot of that stuff was great content. Like you say, perhaps towards the, the end game of WCW, unfortunately, it was uh, kind of tailing off, unfortunately, towards the end. But that was obviously around the time as well. The likes of Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit all made the jump and, of course, went to WWE and uh, made their names over there. But um, so then we've, we've talked about your favorite superstar. But how about pay-per-views then? You mentioned a lot of uh, pay-per-views that you've seen uh, and lots of great memories. Is there a pay-per-view that stands out or a couple of shows that perhaps are your favorites you'd go to? Uh, yeah, WrestleMania 30 is one for sure. Like the booking leading up to that show was what it was. It was kind of lazy booking for the most part where you have just like Undertaker smash a pen on Paul Heyman's chest. And that's how we set up Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. But I, I digress. Um, <laughs> the, the, the breaking of the streak, like watching that live, I, you, nothing in wrestling will ever make me feel the way that match made me feel. Uh, and I think you will agree too. Like even even you, as wise as you are, as as long of a wrestling fan as, as you've been, nothing is more shocking than seeing the Undertaker lose at WrestleMania when he lost a streak. Like everybody was quiet. No, like no. So everybody thought it was a mistake. There's still conspiracy theories around it to this day. And then you couple that with Daniel Bryan beating Triple H and then beating Randy Orton and Batista in a triple threat match and the and seventy thousand people screaming yes. An incredible pay-per-view and then um moving on from that one you have no way out 04 unbelievable um i love no way out 2001 as well that austin triple h uh three stages of hell match and wrestlemania 17 like those are like off the top of my head those are four pay-per-views that i could just watch top to bottom and really not be bored there you go. No, I have to agree. All of those complete solid shows. And if anyone's not seen them, that's watching this, they've got a hell of a day. If next time they have a day off from work or if they're chilling with a the network, they're watching them for some superb shows there. And uh, I agree with you with WrestleMania 30. I mean, the idea of that point with The Undertaker when he lost there, I mean, literally, I don't know. The, the, even I was watching it on my own in, in a room and I just felt myself like, I felt so alone, but watching those people and just the, you say you can hear a pin drop, that guy in the front row, you'll never forget it. Obviously one of the most famous wrestling fan memes that you'll see any time now going forward. But uh, it was such a, an iconic moment. Like you say, how it captured everyone's imagination later on to get to that main event when Daniel Ryan actually won the big one. Uh, certainly is uh, one of the best WrestleManias in recent memory. I do have to agree with you on that. Uh, but looking into today's product then, obviously, um, as we go sort of further forward then, um, do you think that with, with shows that we get good pay-per-views now or do you think that uh, they just don't live up to what we had back in the day? No, I think we do. I think we do get good pay-per-views nowadays. I think it depends. Like 2019, the pay-per-views weren't really that good. I don't think. 2020, for the most part, the pay-per-views were really good. I really enjoyed the 2020 Royal Rumble, obviously Edge's return. But on top of that, I mean, you had Daniel Bryan versus The Fiend. You had this, like, one of the most masterful stories told in the Royal Rumble with, with Brock Lesnar basically igniting, yeah, igniting Drew McIntyre's flame and making him the big star that he became. Uh, it was really just a magic to watch. And then on top of that, I thought WrestleMania was really good for what it was. Like, I don't know how people can hate on WrestleMania 36. The pandemic literally had started like three weeks before. And WWE put on a masterful show within two nights. And they put on Cena Wyatt in a Firefly Funhouse match, the Boneyard match. I don't understand how people can hate on that show. It, it was really good. Uh, I thought overall, like from when Roman Reigns returned, at SummerSlam, I'd say from SummerSlam 2020 to TLC 2020, I thought WWE couldn't miss. I thought every pay-per-view from that stretch was really good. And yeah, we saw some nonsense, like the eye versus eye match. But hell, people were interested in that. Casual fans were like, oh my God, Rey Mysterio lost an eye. Like, so I got to see this. Like, they were still interested in it. And I thought it was 
It, like that what that that match, the Rey Mysterio Seth Rollins match was so bad to me that it was funny. If they, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, it, it does create interest. And we, we kind of got that going on a lot of the moment with uh, quite a number of segments, to be fair. I mean, a lot of people have been hating on the Lacey Evans Ric Flair storyline, but uh, obviously a lot of people were interested last week with the pregnancy uh, when that was announced, which, of course, at the time, uh, first when I saw it, I was like, oh, don't tell me I've done this as an angle. This is not great with Ric Flair dancing like he's at a wedding. But then at the same time afterwards, we learn it's, it's legit afterwards. And it's like you sit and think to yourself, well, they had to write this storyline off and they had to do it somehow. And it's better to be legit and open with it and a lot of people were interested I know it was a very popular topic but another very popular topic that I wanted to talk to you about uh, mainly because as well he's also your DP at the moment on Twitter is Bad Bunny yes yeah Bad Bunny I mean I'm Puerto Rican so Bad Bunny is like Bad Bunny is like an idol of mine if you will like just being it's just it's surreal to see somebody come in a celebrity not, not just because he's Bad Bunny, because I love him. It's surreal to see a celebrity come in and be so proud of their association with the WWE. How many times do you see celebrities make a guest appearance on Raw and they won't even mention that, that they're going to appear on Raw on their Twitter or on their Instagram? You, won't, you wouldn't even know. Like Their fans would not even know that they're appearing on the show. Not only does Bad Bunny promote his appearances on, on his Instagram and on his Twitter, he brought the freaking 24-7 championship belt to Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live. He's making that title feel relevant because he's wearing it with pride. And like, he's, it's just his, I think he's been the best celebrity that WWE's ever brought in. You can make the case, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely arguable. He's definitely up there, and I think he's definitely there uh, with, with in the modern terms. I mean, you go back and look at some of the famous ones of Mike Tyson, for example, probably helped change the Monday Night War. But in a time like now where uh, we could argue wrestling probably is not at its coolest, and definitely uh, ratings-wise is definitely its worst point since the mid-'90s, um, to have someone like Bad Bunny come in and, you know, take – you know, it's so seriously, be so happy, so proud that he's there. I mean, he's a big global Grammy winning star. And like, you know, he's, he's got songs that are, are popular all over the world. And, and you sit there and say to yourself, he's come in, like you say, he's brought, he's won the 24-7 championship. He's put it on Saturday Night Live, something we've not seen anything wrestling related with Saturday Night Live since probably what Rock and Cena days. So um, the fact that Bad Bunny is bringing some relevance and YouTube is going through the roof with his appearances. He's selling great merch as well. Uh, Bad Bunny is doing a great job in WWE. And I think also he's doing a great job of elevating a new star in Damian Priest. And uh, I actually listened to your Raw review and um, I thought you made quite a good point or a great, quite a good case that Damian Priest could be a future WWE champion. Absolutely. I think he has all the tools. Just like I remember watching him as Pun- Punishment Martinez in Ring of Honor. And I thought, yeah, this guy, this guy could be a star. And the only knock against him is his age. Like he's almost 40 now and he's just getting to WWE. He's like 39 or something. That's, you know, but that's, I mean, it's not that big of a knock because AJ Styles came in at 39 as well. But still, it would be nicer if he, if he had made it to, to WWE at like 31 or something. But right time right place he's puerto rican so naturally he's going to be associated with bad bunny and bad bunny is making him uh, making him feel like a big deal and he can back it up he can go like he's a big guy that can move around and he moves not like a lot of other big guys like he kind of reminds me of of like of the undertaker in terms of like the way he moves around the ring and, and how athletic and agile he is it's a great comparison, actually, because I've always had the, the Razor Ramon vibes. But, but of course, like you say, Punishment, uh, even Ring of Honor days and now 
uh, how he is in WWE, Damian Priest. He can, he can dive over the top rope. He does some high-flying moves in the right spots. And he's great at timing those spots as well. It's not like it's done flips for the sakes of it, kind of like how The Undertaker would be, like at WrestleMania 25 with HBK. And yeah, I, I mean, I can really see it with Damian Priest. And uh, really, that, that could really help uh, with the market because the Hispanic market, if you want, it's not really had a, an idol to look at in, in wrestling terms so much in recent memory, has it? I mean, it's still... Probably Rey Mysterio has been seen as one of the goats, but I mean, Rey's probably getting towards the latter stages of his career now. Yeah, Rey would have to be the last real um, Hispanic icon. Like Eddie was probably the first. You could you could argue, uh, what's his name? Pedro Mar- was it Pedro Martinez? No, uh, Pedro I forgot Morales. his name. Morales. Pedro Morales was probably the original Latin icon, and then Eddie for the modern era, and then Rey Mysterio really has been for this generation. Everybody knows Rey Mysterio. Like he's one of the he, people under uh, underestimate how popular, how big of a star Rey Mysterio is. Everybody knows Rey Mysterio. The people that don't even know wrestling know him. His mask is iconic. Everything's iconic. And WWE has been trying to find the next Rey or next Eddie Guerrero. They tried with Alberto Del Rio. They tried with Kalisto with Sin Cara. They've tried. I mean, they've tried time and time again. And Angel Garza, Andrade recently, and it just hasn't worked out. It's like with Damian Priest, it feels organic. It feels like they're pushing this guy as a good wrestler because that's what Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio were. They were good wrestlers that happened to be Latin. It wasn't like with Del Rio where they were forcing it an agenda. Like, we need a Latin star, so we're going to make Del Rio our Latin star. Damian Priest feels organic, and that's what's so good about it. Yeah, I completely agree, and uh, I, I definitely see bright things in his future. And uh, I mean, the idea of the WrestleMania match of Damian Priest and, and Bad Bunny is a tag team that's been heavily rumored. Um, I think it could be a lot of fun. I mean, I know Bad Bunny, he, he immediately went for the bump uh, at Royal Rumble where he jumped off the top rope to the outside. Uh, he's now the 24-7 champion. Um, we will be touching on the uh, what was the rumored opponent in more detail in a minute, but obviously them two against Miz and Morrison, do you think that that would be a, a good WrestleMania match? I, I, I think in ring, it'll be fine because the Miz and Morrison are really good. But my, my gripe with it is when you bring in a guy like Bad Bunny, you got to put him with somebody that people know. Like R- Ronda Rousey, when she debuted, when she actually debuted, she was in the ring with, uh, with Triple H and Stephanie, right? And they put her in there with Kurt Angle as her partner. And what did she do on Raw? Do you remember? She, spot- she suplexed Triple H through a table. And that's a big, massive sports center moment. Imagine if she would have suplexed John Morrison through a table. Nobody would care. Like, people would be like, oh, yeah, it's Ronda Rousey, but who is that guy that she suplexed? I don't know who that is. It's the same thing with Bad Bunny. Like, when people that don't know wrestling, and they ask me, like, who is this guy that Bad Bunny is wrestling? I'm like, oh, it's The Miz. They're like, oh, I don't know who The Miz is. Why isn't he wrestling John Cena? Why isn't he wrestling Randy Orton? Like, it's just, I get it. The Miz is a big star in the wrestling bubble. But in the mainstream, it it just it doesn't give Bad Bunny any credibility. I, I like I, I was so puzzled when they did that promo segment a couple of weeks ago with Edge and the Miz, where Edge tore the Miz to shreds and was like, "Oh, you're trying to be awesome." I was on that in 2001, bro. Like you got to move on. And I was so puzzled, like why wasn't Bad Bunny with them? I don't like I don't understand why wasn't Bad Bunny next to Edge, like dapping him up, hugging him, whatever. It, it just it didn't make sense. You, you got to associate a star with somebody that's credible in the wrestling world, so so people. So people, it clicks with people. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, there's more longevity. And um, 
I mean, the, the idea is then the, the star that they're trying to make will get more over organically because of the fact that Bad Bunny is there representing at the same time in that same segment because more people will be watching that than any other part of the show. And um, where we think you can do a great job for Damien Priest, perhaps uh, of building him up, maybe it still needs more of a star power opponent, like you say, rather than having the Miz and Morrison. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, as you know, the Miz is... Uh, the Miz, like, I'm just... Uh, I don't understand why people like him, but I, I, I'll digress on that for a moment. You have this this tag team match. It's cool. I mean, it's cool, though. It's bad. It's bad way. WWE is just, they're going with the formula. It's like, okay, Bad Bunny, we're going to throw him out there, and we're just going to let him be Bad Bunny, and we're going to let him draw the, the segment. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense because, like, I, like, when you think about Austin and Tyson, like, imagine if that was, like, somebody, from, like, imagine if that was D'Lo Brown getting in Mike Tyson's face. It wouldn't be the same, right? His, his head would be shaking around a lot more than it usually is anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, it puzzles me, but The Miz is the WWE champion, so he's technically the biggest star of Raw. So now that The Miz is WWE champion, it does make it makes a little bit more sense to have Bad Bunny associated with him since he is the, the quote-unquote big star of the show. So I guess it makes more sense, but if you had told me that The Miz was going to be champion in 2021, I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> <laughs> no, neither would I, to be fair. I mean, I, I did. I must have done countless videos, uh, especially with the Q&A and people saying to me, will Miz win the championship? And I'm like, not a chance. There's no way. The Miz, he will be another failed cash-in. He was just there to have the championship for an opportune moment to put, you know, make some some news about the money in the bank where Otis wasn't doing it. But it, it, for me, no, I had no belief that Miz would do it at all. And it's, it's unbelievable that it's happening. But you said there now, I mean, it's a great point that you make. Do you think that's the reason why the championship has been put on the Miz? Because perhaps more people on the outside, if they do look and see, oh, he is the WWE champion. So it's going to help this storyline more further down the line, even though probably more than likely Miz will be a transitional champion. Maybe, perhaps. I mean, it, do, it does make casual fans, when you see, when a casual fan sees Bad Bunny associated with the WWE champion, that does make a casual fan or somebody who doesn't know wrestling at all. Like, yeah, think about this too. Most of Bad Bunny's audience doesn't speak any English. So they don't really know what's going on in the show either way. So like, if they see Bad Bunny rocking around with the championship and they see him in the face of a guy that's holding the big title, they're like, okay, this, this feels more big time, you know? Yeah. Um, so I guess, yeah, maybe that's part of it. I really can't, I can't justify it because you have Drew McIntyre who carried the, the, the company. He carried the company throughout the, the entire pandemic, the heart of pan the pandemic. He never got his moment in front of fans. And then you have him lose the belt to the Miz it, like two weeks before WrestleMania. It just, none of it makes sense. It, it, I, I couldn't justify it even if I tried. No, I mean, I must admit, it was a big shocking moment. And in one way, it's thrown the whole of the booking and arguably a lot of people's fantasy booking into disarray. Everyone that's booked these WrestleMania cards and now they see like, hang on, the Miz is champion. What are we going to do? Uh, we've made all these videos. But anyway, to, to digress now, we see Lashley is on this totally different level. And uh, a video of mine that's just come out uh, is actually why Bobby Lashley should become WWE champion. It seems he's got a match now set with the Miz next week on Raw. Um, do you think that we could be building from Lashley to take the champion here, whether it's on Raw this next week or Max in the next week or two, we could book perhaps then Bobby as the champion against Drew, the challenger at WrestleMania. And Drew, actually, now because we are going to have fans at WrestleMania 37 in some capacity, where Drew can finally get that moment and win the big one on the big show. You know, I think I think there's backlash now for Drew. I think there's some Drew backlash out there in, in the fandom. I don't know. I don't know if that's the best idea because 
a lot of people, there's a lot of people that have been wanting Bobby Lashley to be champion for a long time. Like Bobby Lashley, he's been around now for like almost 20 years. People have been wanting him to be champion since he debuted. So I don't know if doing that is the right idea. Like it'll feel kind of forced, if that makes sense. Just like, oh, we took the belt off of Drew. We're going to give him his moment in front of fans. It'll feel forced. It'll feel organic. It won't feel like the moment from last year. But I also get it, too. They want to do right by him. WWE wants to do right by him, and he deserves that moment in front of fans. I, I'm just worried about the backlash because, you know, you know how wrestling fans are. It's, well, what have you done for me today? It's not they don't care about the Royal Rumble last year. They don't care about the fact that there were no fans with his match versus Brock. They don't care about all that. And with that being said, I would like to see Lashley versus Brock for the WWE Championship. I think that would be amazing. Like, I think you talk about a, a dream match. That's a, that's one of the very few dream matches left. You have two guys that look like that, two legit MMA fighters. That would be amazing. And then just to touch on Drew, lastly, I think the best thing to do would be for, to have Drew just kind of dominate in the upper mid card, have him float around, do certain things, whatever it is that, he, that he'll do. And then I think have him have his big moment next year when hopefully the vaccine is out and this pandemic is gone. You have a full football stadium in LA. I, I think do it then. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would be down for all of that, especially because you said there one match that I really want to see as well when Bobby Lashley against Brock Lesnar, the idea of that uh, for me is like you said, it's one of the few rare dream matches that we have left in wrestling. And we have been building up Drew McIntyre against Sheamus for a long time. That would be an upper mid card feud that you could do at WrestleMania. And you'd have the opportunity to then continue to build that momentum. Like you say, for the next big show, uh, maybe even the next, next year's WrestleMania. And I think that that makes a lot of sense there. I'd be quite up for seeing all of that. Yeah, it's great for the European market, too. You, you put two of the big European stars against each other, McIntyre, Sheamus. That's a really good appealing match for like a large portion of, of the audience for WWE. And on top of that, too, there is a story that can be told where those guys really have been friends for a very long time. And Sheamus was instrumental in getting Drew McIntyre over to the WWE. So the story is there and it, it makes a lot of sense from a business perspective for them to do that match. Absolutely, indeed, I completely agree. Well, uh, we did promise people that we would just give a bit of caution on the Miz, and we have sort of flirted with the idea of touching on little bits of speaking about him. But so, I mean, from, from an in-ring perspective earlier when you said that he's not bad in the ring, is it more the, the personality? Is it the, the mic work? What, what is it with Miz that, that just doesn't connect? Is it, the, is it the bad creative from WWE, or is it Miz himself? I, I just find him so boring. I, I really do. Like, I, like when... I've been watching you yourself. I've been watching. We have been watching Miz TV since like me when I, I was like ten years old. We've been watching Miz TV since like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Nothing happens on Miz TV every single week, and it's just thrown out there. Like basically, what Miz TV is if is if WWE took Roddy Piper and they made and they did Piper's Pit every single week for, throughout the eighties and late eighties, early nineties, and it just got to the point where nobody cared. Like that's basically what Miz TV is, and it, it's just. It's forced. I think he's okay on the mic. Like, I think he's a good talker, but he's not credible. When you, like, you talk about heels that are credible heels, he's, like, far from the top of the list. You know what I mean? Like, and he's not even, he's not a good chicken shit heel because I don't really care to see him get his ass kicked. I never did. Like, I was a kid and I never cared. I was just like, oh, it's the Miz. When he feuded with John Cena, that literally killed wrestling for me. I stopped watching wrestling for a good, like, two years when that when that feud started in 2010. I was just, I, for what? You know, it, it's just, it's always been, 
to me, he, the guy doesn't feel larger than life. He feels like a carbon copy of The Rock. We know he cut, he he mimicked The Rock style, The Rock's flow, in promos. It's just I don't know for whatever reason I just can't I just can't connect with him. No, I can understand that. And to be fair, I can understand why you don't connect with him. I must admit, I, I'm not a big Miz hater, but I, I'm not someone that says I think the Miz is amazing either. I don't think he's a bad talker. I think actually he can deliver quite a good promo. Uh, I know that you've actually made reference of the things like the talking smack, the infamous one with Daniel Bryan. That shouldn't just necessarily equal that he should have be in that sort of main event picture. But when you look back and you said there, WrestleMania 27, it's a very key point there because that match with John Cena, I agree with you, that killed so much credibility from the Miz, and not just from that show, but what they did for a number of years afterwards, because that rivalry with John Cena really was John Cena and The Rock. The Miz was just a placeholder who held a championship, who wasn't the focal point. If he was treated like the guy who was going to be the big deal and then win that WrestleMania match, maybe we'd take him a bit more seriously. And for years and years, he then floundered around the mid-card. He floated back up where we thought for a period in 2016-17, he could maybe get himself around the picture again because he was quite relevant when he was with Maurice. Um, but also, yeah, he's now gone for another few years of mediocrity. And arguably, you could say the last 12 months of the Miz. I mean, he has been booked in some awful segments. I mean, obviously, sometimes I'll give Miz some credit. I do think that the Miz actually makes the segments better than what they're written, which is to say how bad they actually are as well, that they could have been even worse. So uh, for me, I don't think the Miz right now is in his... He's not the right guy. It came out of the blue that he won that money in the bank. It feels like it's come out of the blue that he's won the championship. And like you said, with credibility, if the guy had won for the last six months, uh, take Jinder Mahal, for example, he won the championship overnight. If he'd have had six months of solid wins, solid booking, uh, you turn around saying, I can believe this. But we don't believe that with him is right now. He has to be a transitional champion, doesn't he? Yeah, he has to. Yeah, I, I remember the Jinder Mahal thing very well. I just remember... He had a good showing at the the uh, Andre, the Giant, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal at 33. And then all of a sudden on Raw, Byron Saxon is screaming about how he's dieting and hitting the gym hard. And then I was like, oh, God, they're going to push this guy. It, it just it didn't make it. Yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense. It was just that was weird. But yeah, the Miz, when you talk about his credibility. Yeah. I mean, what has he done this past year? The like the, the horrible music video with Braun Strowman and with Braun Strowman. Like, that's really the only thing that comes to mind. Other than that, he's just been just missed TV segments that lead to nothing. That's really what he's been this whole year. I can't remember any memorable match that he's had, any memorable feud. Yeah, 2016 and 17 would have been the time to pull the trigger. But like I said in one of my recent videos, if you put the title on The Miz in 2016, right, because that was the year that Brock Lesnar won the universal title from Goldberg. If, 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 the, if Vince McMahon called Brock Lesnar, it's like, hey, pal. Uh, you got to wrestle The Miz at WrestleMania 33. Brock would have hung up on him. And he would have been like, yo, just call me when you got a real opponent for me. So it's not just me. It's like, th that's why he didn't win the title back then. Because there was no the, he, there was no way in hell he was going to be in the mix with Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton in, 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 for the WWE title or Brock Lesnar and Goldberg for the Universal title. No, I think you make some solid points there, to be fair. And uh, yeah, I can't argue with that. I mean, Lesnar, he is quite picky of who he chooses to wrestle anyway. He doesn't, it seems like he's not actually wrestled Lashley for all these years. It makes me wonder if he's actually interested in that match as well. But yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly with The Miz. And um, I mean, looking at it, it's going to be interesting what happens. But um, I think we can speak for everyone that uh, perhaps it will be a short reign. And um, I know that uh, you've got a great love for Bacardi. You sometimes make mention of it in your videos as well. Um, was there a few consumed after the Miz have won that championship in a bit of annoyance? 
Yes, definitely. Definitely. There's there's a lot of Bacardi on, on pay-per-views uh, already. <laughs> so pay-per-view Sundays already. So the, when the Miz won, I was just like, oh, God. <laughs> uh, it's like a nightmare. It's like, God, it was like 15-year-old me. It's, I felt like I was 15 again, honestly. Because it's like Miz was champion, and then 10 years later, he's champion. Like, it's... <laughs> Uh, well, WrestleMania 27, 10 years ago, Miz was WWE champion going in and Edge was uh, wrestling for a world title as well. So, uh, yeah, as things change, they stay the same as well. So uh, it's quite interesting with that. So, I mean, with with the Miz then, when he loses that belt, I mean, obviously there'll be Bacardi in celebration. Could, would there be a case of Bacardi going that night? <laughs> oh, a case of Bacardi? Oh, no, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I, I have, uh, it's a rum, so it just, it goes by the bottle. I couldn't even, uh, oh, I killed my liver. Yeah, that Bacardi is like, it's just, it's so good. If you, if you ever, have you ever had it? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I, I must admit, usually for me, if I do it, probably, uh, I, I like to mix it with, with soft drinks, whether it's, uh, like a steel juice or whether it's with a cola or something. I'm, I'm one of those kind of guys. I, I like to, to mix it. I'm not that hardcore, I guess, but do you, do you like to have a mix or do you, do you go straight in? I, I, I like, I do like the mix, but, but, but you got to drink it straight you're not you're not puerto rican if you don't drink it straight so i drink it i drink i usually drink it straight but i do like a good mix like uh something really good i'll give you a little little tidbit pineapple fanta is really good with with, with any kind of rum that sounds good to me man yeah. sounds good i will uh, i'll definitely be trying that one out as soon as we're finished here i reckon so uh yeah that sounds good but um yeah i mean looking at it then in today's market and stuff with wrestling it's been pretty cool and uh, like you said that you mentioned a couple of matches for wrestlemania uh, is there any other dream matches you want to see for wrestlemania this year perhaps bianca belair who would you like her to face definitely want to see bianca belair face sasha banks yeah that 100%. feels like a dream match doesn't it it is. It definitely is. It is. Uh, I I really, I was pulling for John Cena versus Drew McIntyre too. I really wanted to see that. Uh, sad that WWE couldn't get him. Maybe they will get Cena. You never know with John Cena. He's so cryptic. You never know. Like, like what he, I know he said in the interview, it mathematically is impossible, but you never freaking know with Cena. Like that would just be great. You get a talk about an upper mid card match, John Cena, McIntyre, the face that ran the place for 15 years against the new hot baby face in town. Oh, it writes itself. I think you need to be on creative. I'm not going to lie to you. I like some of the directions you're going with some of this storytelling. So, uh, yeah, I'd be perfectly down for that. So, uh, yeah, would be a fancy match, definitely, to see. I would like to see John Cena go for that 17th world title at some point. I think the story writes itself. But, um, like you say, Drew's not with the belt right now. But I think that, like you say, that it's the, the top baby face from now against then. I think that'd be pretty awesome. I'd like to see it. Um, is there anything that you'd like to discuss before? Something you'd like to plug from your channel before we finish up today? Hey, just uh, follow my channel and Twitter. Everything, everything is at Bonafide Heat on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. So check me out there. And uh, thank you for having me on here, man. This was a pleasure. Uh, it's been absolutely great to have you on. Hopefully we can have you back sometime. I will leave uh, all the links in the description on the YouTube channel and also as well on, uh, if you're listening on podcast form as well, you will be able to see that there. So make sure to go and fo follow Bonafide Heat. Uh, fantastic on Twitter as well as on YouTube. Uh, great content, great stuff. Make sure you go and check it out. And uh, it's been a lot of fun doing this interview. Ah, thank you. Thank you for the kind words, man. Yeah, it's been, this has been fun. I love doing things like this. I, I just did it. I, I feel like I've been doing a lot of collaborations recently. I just did a, I just did a podcast on Friday 
and then I did um, another collaboration on YouTube, and now I'm doing this one. So this is really fun. And then uh, this will be available like your other podcasts on Apple and Spotify and all that. You're on all the platforms, correct? Yeah, I, I get myself wherever I can. So yeah, that's that's hopefully where everyone's listening as well as YouTube. And uh, like I say, if you are, then uh, hit subscribe, hit a follow. And um, yeah, also as I say, go and follow you as well. It would be uh, awesome to see. And uh, like you say, maybe in the near future, we can get you back for another collab. Yeah, that would be awesome. I am down. Just feel free. Let me know. I am down to pretty much do anything. <laughs> you know, if you want to have, if you want to have me yell about the Miz for ten minutes, we could do that, or we could talk about old school wrestling pay per views. Whatever, it doesn't matter to me. Sounds awesome, man. Awesome. Well, thank you, Bonafide uh, Heat. Thank you, Kevin. And also, thank you to everyone that's been watching and listening wherever you are. This has been SCW Interviews. Uh, there's lots of videos coming up on the channel, so make sure to keep an eye out on YouTube. And uh, like I say, Elimination Chamber, the review is there, as well as uh, Bobby Lashley, why he should be WWE Champion. Go and check those out right now. Uh, but uh, I'll be back very shortly. Remember, the Q&A will be back on Sunday. All the best. Take care. This has been SCW Interviews. Have yourselves a great day.